Well, fresh week and uh, brand new Sojourner Pod week. Stay with me. Looking forward to this. So, hey, let's hope I don't have too many sniffles and snuffles. I've got a bit of a cold, so hopefully that doesn't get in the way. Um, I am looking forward to this summer just to ditch all these bugs. This Wellington winter has been something. Everyone's just been so sick. It's been crazy. It's enough to break a man. But we're seeing the sun. We're seeing blue skies. It's happening. And then we have like three days of pure rain in Wellington. And then it's like, ah, nearly summer again. And then not. And and then we find it again, and then only to lose it again, and so it goes. But um, hey, I'm feeling a little bit of of uh, a positive vibe about today, and hopefully we're nearly there. And uh, I want to get rid of these last little winter bugs and move on, right? Um, so let's uh, think about what we're doing this week. We've got um, we've got a few sessions coming up with Nick Cleveley, and uh, man, if you were on Facebook, you know he was just dominating, uh, dude. He was all over, but. Uh, but before we get to Nick, um, let's let's just do a little groundwork. Um, this used to be Two Kingdom Tuesday, so I'm kind of stuck in that mode. But I'll kind of do something similar, or maybe just uh, a little bit more around the realm of systematics. I've read this um, amazing little article uh, that Van Drunen wrote um, years back. So this would be 94 or something in a, a book that, um, what is it called? Let's have a look. A Pattern of Sound Doctrine. Um cover let's see pattern of sound doctrine the systematic theolo- systematic theology of the westminster seminaries Ooh, that sounds good right it's exactly my wheelhouse and uh the whole thing is it's just a compilation of essays in honor of robert b strimple and it's edited by by van drunen so um really great little book i mean wow it's got some good essays i'm, I'm amazed i didn't know about it um but one particular essay caught my eye and wanted to uh, look at that some more, <clears throat> and that is the one. Oh, everyone's uh, getting hold of me. I'm trying to switch off my notifications, yeah, man. Come on, podcasting. Stay away from me. All right. Um, so uh, the one. I mean, it's crazy. This little. I mean, the, even the table of contents just gets you. You realize this is a while back, but uh, Horton, uh, and then straight afterwards you got Frame, doing chapter the next chapter, and then. Um, you got like Godfrey and uh, and Gaffin and Van Drunen right after it. So maybe this is a little bit prior to where the tensions started to bubble over. But, I, I, you know, pretty cool book. And anyways, Van Drunen writes this article called uh, A System of Theology, The Centrality of the Covenant for Westminster Systematics. So that sounds great. But what's really interesting about the, the article is it's almost, um, I mean, it's clearly before, before Horton wrote his... Um, well, it is before Horton wrote his um, systematic, and I'm thinking you know, either of the Christian faith or Pilgrim theology, they'll both work. Um, and, but, but what's so interesting about the article is that he anticipates the need for something like that which Horton wrote. So um, I know that he was in, in some way aware of uh, Horton's Covenant series, that heavy, heavy academic um, what is a four or five volume series that, that looks at the covenant motif. So he certainly had, had, was aware of those things. Um, but who knows to the degree that they uh, talked about the need to actually write something like Horton eventually wrote. Um, just just making this covenant theme what it should be in a systematic theology. But he's sort of, you know, taking this blanket look at the need for um, a, a, an architectonic principle 
in um, Reformed theology and systematic theology in particular. So, I mean, I was just super interested in seeing that, and um, and it was just a riveting article. So, uh, talk a little bit about it this morning. Um, maybe maybe a good thing to do would be to just start off talking about this word architectonic because. Um, he uses it a lot, and it is quite important in terms of what eventually takes place in Horton's systematic theology. Um, uh, we might have used it on the show, this word, to talk about Klein. Um, I would say Klein's theology is thoroughly architectonic of the Two Kingdom movement, for example. Um, uh, if not the, the project itself, then certainly much of the paradigm. Um, but what I mean is, uh, you know, you just really, I mean, uh, you think about the word architectural and you have quite a literal term there that I, that's used to talk about architects and buildings and structures. Architectonic is kind of the equivalent metaphorical term to speak of a system of knowledge. And, um, and so, you know, theologians will typically speak of dominant theological ideas, <clears throat> getting out of covenant theology there for a second, uh, you know, it's just being architectonic. And um, and they lay down the the framework, the skeletal framework, for others to build upon, and uh, and that's just the way it turns out. So it, an idea is architectonic if you know people have just really built upon it over the years, or it's proven to be foundational uh, or skeletal to the system. And so you know, obviously, you have to have. I mean, in some ways, reformed theology is de facto. You know, it, it it is an architectonic system. It is interlinked. Um, the question is, what what best captures all, as Vendrun uh, says, your various threads of revealed truth. That's really the thing uh, in in debate, or um, or something that has perhaps developed in the Reformed tradition, because um, it hasn't always been covered in theology. We'll we'll know, of course, that you know, moving forward. I mean, it's not really until you get to Vitius that you see a, a properly developed systematic theology around the the principle of uh, of covenant theology itself uh, which I think does a great job but and, and it plays in that that area that we love to play now which is that that biblical theology meeting dogmatics category which um, we know that's a healthy space because you're always in the text and the text is yielding forth the results and as soon as you you, I don't know, if you make something else, this architectonic principle, it sort of loses that biblical theological edge and you end up just getting into the system system and it, it feels like it takes on an artificial form at the end or it loses touch with its exegetical grounding. And so, um, you know, I think the covenant idea has developed, and rightly so, in the Westminster tra- tradition, at least in, in, in terms of systematics, as the architectonic principle, certainly by... I mean, by the time you, I mean, just even the confessions, actually, you know, they are thoroughly covenant documents. They are wound together. I'll, you know, I'll never, my eyes were open to this one day when, um, when I was doing Germania and Symbolics class and, um, and he was just showing how everything is really related to the covenant. You know, you've got, you've got even, I mean, the centerpiece of Christ is the mediator. Uh, he is the covenant mediator and you've got, he just works all the way through it like that. And so I think um, that's why Warfield, for example, could speak of the architectonic principle of the Westminster Confession as being supplied by the schematization of federal theology or covenant theology. Um, so 
that's uh, that's that's kind of what we mean there. It's uh, hopefully that's a bit clearer. Um, the architectonic principle is what Van Drunen is after. He wants to find out what it is that that should make um, a systematized uh, theology, or let's let me rephrase that: what makes systematic theology in a, in the Reformed tradition truly systematic? What what weaves it together at every point? What 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 principle envelops all of it? Um, you know, maybe it's the kingdom, maybe it's the covenant, maybe it's Christ, maybe it's uh, the union. I know a lot of people want to go in that direction. Maybe it's soteriology. Um, well, in that context, um, Van Drunen rightly appeals to the Westminster tradition as being covenantal and says we should move further in that direction if we want to get all of this in and uh, see a truly Westminster reformed systematic theology emerge, which, of course, um, is exactly what I would love to see and what we have seen. Um, I think in, um, you know, it's interesting, you had uh, Robert Raymond put out his systematic, and it was great in that it, it sort of moved along with the confession. But, you know, reading that and then reading Horton's uh, systematic afterwards, you realize, wow, Horton actually, although he didn't quote the confession as much uh, or, or structure his you know, layout uh, according to the Westminster. Uh, it is much more, it's much closer to that covenantal tradition in many ways. Um, and so anyways, just thinking a little bit about that, um, I, I thought maybe, let me just quickly run through. I mean, hopefully this doesn't take too long, but just, I'll just kind of run through wh- what he was thinking and, uh, and how this works. And, and if you've read um, Horton's Systematic, you'll know more or less um, how this works anyway. But he, you know, he'll point out, for example, that if you have a certain kind of covenant theology, this will work. If you, if you have a, let's say, a, a covenant theology more like Murray's, and I mean John Murray, uh, uh, this isn't going to work. And I think that's a good place to, to think about, start off thinking about this whole principle, this architectonic principle, because uh, you have to have a kind of covenant theology that's going to encompass everything if it's going to work as an architectonic principle. Same thing with the kingdom. Um, you, you know, if your doctrine of the kingdom is is the parentheses of the church or, or just Israel, um, you know, obviously that's not going to cover everything. If your doctrine of the kingdom is entirely eschatological, it's, it's really more in the realm of 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 uh, eschatology rather than the whole thing. It's, it's not going to work well as a as an architectonic principle. But if it is this thing that just moves right through the Bible, then it's a qualifier, then it, or at least a candidate, and uh, could qualify for the role. Um, so Murray's covenant theology, as we know, he really didn't like, he was uncomfortable. Murray didn't like seeing uh, anything prior to the fall as entirely covenantal, um, not in the same way that the other guys did. And so really his, his covenant system begins at the fall, properly speaking, and, you know, involves the covenant of grace, really, uh, which then moves more into the realm of the history of redemption and kind of leaves the creation bit out and, you know, all of that stuff before. So it, it's, it doesn't make a good candidate for what, 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 what he's arguing we need in um, this, this principle. Um, and... You take, for example, Klein's theology, I mean, wow, you've got the creation being totally 100% covenantal. In fact, I kind of wish that that the framework view didn't become a thing. We should have just called it, or Klein should have just called it the 
or whoever called it what it was, should have just been called the covenantal position or covenantal framework. Because really the whole thing is just like an argument saying, look how thoroughly covenantal creation is as it introduces God and tells us how to get to him, essentially. Um, And so you got that, you've got the history of redemption, you've got eschatology, you've got the inter-Trinitarian doctrine of God going. I mean, you know, it's a definite candidate for an architectonic principle. So we'll be thinking, and uh, no doubt as as Van Drunen is thinking, more along the lines of of um, of Klein's, or at least, uh, you know, a, that kind of covenant theology that encompasses everything. Vitzius will do here as well. Anyone who has that all-encompassing idea. Um, and so he says, right, well, just run through it. You know, uh, let's see if it works. You've got... Um, Think about all of the basic realms that systematic systematic theology covers. Uh, you know, you've got prolegomenon, you got theology proper, you've got anthropology, you got homotheology, Christology, soteriology, uh, ecclesiology, eschatology, and then ethics are somewhere in there, probably around. I put them in soteriology, really. You know, that's probably where you want to, or maybe around ecclesiology, something like that. Um, anyway, so. Off you go, trying to think if how this is going to work. Well, prolegomenon, man, if you've ever read Horton's um, introduction and just the way that he basically works in thinking about epistemology and ontology and all that, I mean, just a masterful job uh, on its own, but then also just entirely dependent on the covenant idea, um, just showing how really all of your worldviews are going to get stuck into one of these baskets and... Um, and the basket is going to depend on whether the covenant is involved or not. Um, you know, we're, we're either going to just be trying to get to God uh, on our own steam, or we're going to try, you know, we're going to give up, or we're going to, um, we're going to understand that the only way we have uh, to, to reach God is if he reaches down to us by way of covenant. So it, it, it's our epistemology, it's our starting point. Um, so he, you know, he doesn't know about any of this when he's writing the article, but it would would have made such a great illustration to, to that point, uh, or at least a, to just a showcase of what can be done there. And then, of course, you've got um, all of the the doctrine of creation and and anthropology, essentially, um, or even before that, sorry, doctrine of God. Um, you you have. I think a lot to man, John Gill actually comes to mind here, and what he did with the doctrine of God, uh, just entirely covenantal from beginning to end in terms of the eternal covenant, the pactum salutis, um, dealt with each thing by way of of covenantal relations. So, again, I think you can very clearly see how that would work there to organize everything. Um, the other thing that we need to think about is after the doctrine of God, the doctrine of man. And, of course, the doctrine of man is more explicitly covenantal. I mean, you it's hard to get through any Reformed theology that doesn't understand this at some level because we know that, you know, you'd have to deny our federal representation in Adam to deny the covenantal aspect of our fall. And so that's already there. That's easy enough to see, um, even with those who don't really like to think of a covenant of works, that they don't really want to get away from original sin and so forth. So federal theology must must remain at some level uh, for them. Um, after theology proper and anthropology, um, oh wait, I'm jumping around. I missed, uh, sorry, 
Mr. That was more in terms of um, the doctrine of sin or martyology. But anthropology is another one. I mean, the, doctr- the doctrine of man. What is man made of? What's, what's, his, whole, what's his whole deal? And uh, the image of God thing is just profound when you understand it in a covenantal. I mean, it just it incorporates all the best of theology, I think. Um, but it, it also just brings new light to bear on what it means to be made in the image of God. And then you've got your homotiology, a study of, of sin, um, which, again, in covenantal terms, covenantal transgression, easy to see. And then hopefully it's not too difficult to see why Christ, who you know is the centerpiece of the system, is, you know, the whole thing there is, is that Christ came to fulfill the covenant. Uh, this is an, an eternal covenant redemption that's being worked out by way of of time and temporal realities and fulfilled according to those shadows set up in covenantal terms. I mean, Christ's active and passive obedience is nothing other than uh, his fulfilling of the law and his suffering in our stead so as uh, to allow us as those under a covenant condemnation to enter in to that eternal life originally promised. So, I mean, you know, you've got that just covering every possible grounds. Um, in terms of the way that moves on then to soteriology, well, I mean, I suppose here is, you know, I think it does, it's probably actually not as easy as it sounds to relate the covenant to, to soteriology in the same way in that you've got, you've got some, um, difficult things to work around, but because <clears throat> I think of covenant theology as more being a kind of object of soteriology. So the history of redemption uh, what Jesus did at the cross, etc. But then, when you start thinking about the, the the subjective implications of that, or the application of those things, um, you tend to veer out of. I don't know. I do anyway. I veer away from covenantal kind of thoughts and move more into union, which is covenantal. So let's actually keep that there. Um, but it's also just. I think we could do with more there, and um, I think again of Horton who has just labored on this point to, to make this happen. You know, he's, I think to focus in covenantal terms on soteriology means that we, we are going to be focused outside of ourselves uh, to a large extent. It means that we're going to be thinking of what it means to be in relationship with God in a certain way, you know, whereas you could drift off into some philosophical ideas pretty quickly. You could take ideas of the age. You could take your own sentiments. But if you've got a properly laid out um, just paradigm of what it means to actually be in relationship with God, it means your expectations are sort of laid out. You know, they're being formed by the Bible. You're not sort of thinking, hey, if I'm adopted, therefore I must have goosebumps all day or something like that. You know, adoption means something. It means you're in the covenant and you're known by uh, the covenant Lord, you know, that that's what it means. It's enough. You don't have to also try and invent the whisperings of your soul and make them sound like God's voice to you in the morning, you know, to, to make you feel like you're truly united to Christ. That's, that's not the fact that you breathe and have life and see the King is your unitedness to him. And, um, and so things like that, I think can definitely help in shaping, um, soteriology. I mean, these are all totally off the cuff, random thoughts, but, but hopefully um, that's enough just to get you into what I'm thinking here and, and, and what I think the genius of this is. And then I suppose when you get to ecclesiology, it becomes a lot more lucid again for me anyway. 
in that you got the sacraments in view. Uh, you've got the covenant word, the, the ministerial authority. I, I'm just re- realizing we've left out like bibliology, which, I mean, wow, if you've ever read Structure of Biblical Biblical Authority by Meredith Klein, the whole thing is to show how the covenant is, how the, the Bible is a covenant document. So, boom, you got that. Um, you've got uh, the, the covenant sacraments, rituals, really, um, in, in what we do as the church um, in hearing, hearing the word and receiving the sacrament. Um, it's we are covenant community. That's what the church is. So that's easy to see. Um, ethics, again, maybe is slightly a little bit, I don't know, it's a bit more, people put this everywhere and they think about it in, in a few different ways. But certainly as you think about the two kingdom thing, as it flows out of covenant theology and ecclesiology um, and its impact on ethics, I think, I think, you know, there alone, you can start seeing enough room to have covenant as an architectonic principle shape this issue of ethics. I'm, I'm thinking of the difference here between, let's say, the way that uh, Frame would approach something based on the law uh, compared to Van Drunen on the way that natural law comes into play. And so things like that um, definitely have something to say to the system. Um, man, uh, hardly have to think much about eschatology we know if we're amillennial that's all about the covenant so at the end of the day i mean there it is you've got just a really and that's just like i mean imagine if you actually had to sit down and think about this well i suppose again we have we have horton systematic i mean he did it i i I was astounded by that point i mean the first time i read through horton's um systematic that's what got me the most i was just like what a great unified system uh, its unity is so powerful. It doesn't just branch out and have an excuse for 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 some sort of architectonic principle. It's it's real. And the nicest part about it is that it's woven into the fabric of Scripture. And biblical theology and systematics are so closely woven together. Um, so I agree. I think that's where we need to go. I, I think I'm a big believer in the covenant as not merely some you know, it used to be with thought of as something maybe within the field of objective soteriology, but we need to think about it more as an architectonic principle for the whole, the whole system, um, not just one subject. You see, for example, uh, Wayne Grudem didn't know where to put it. You know, um, it eventually ended up with something like two pages uh, in some random place. I remember thinking, like, how entirely random. Uh, you know, great systematic, you know, it just is what it is. But it's just, where does that covenant theology thing fit? Well, that's kind of what we're saying. It fits everywhere, not just two pages in your systematic, but absolutely everywhere. It, it informs the whole thing. It is the architectonic principle. So there's a cool word. You can go out and uh, use it at, as a party trick. I certainly will be doing that. Um, bless you guys. Trust you have a great week and we'll catch up later with Nick and uh, do some more of our thing that we do. All right.